You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt. I am joined today by N.W. Van Horn. Last name guy. Resident, yeah, last name guy, resident biblical scholar here on the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Also, I come bearing bad news, which is that Gandalf is not joining us today, but I come bearing glad tidings that we do have a special guest, friend of the show. Some of you have guessed who it might possibly be that is joining the show today, and it's the one and only Caitlin Flowers of Tupelo, Mississippi. So, Caitlin, thanks for being here with us today. Of course, of course. Hi. Heyo. Heyo. Hello. Thanks for being a part. Of course, to all of our listeners, thank you for being a part of the episode this week. And if you have not liked and subscribed or followed the podcast, whatever that positive interaction is on the platform of your choosing, whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on to help us out algorithmically, uh, we would love for you to do that. Or if you would be feeling extra gracious to fill out a, a written review on Apple Podcast. It just helps spread the podcast further and further. So anyway, today back to our special guest. One quick note, thank you for your patience to all of you for um, missing out on two episodes in a row. We had some hard things happen. Uh, one was related to building construction. We're here at First Baptist Tupelo building, or at least the part that our offices are in are being torn apart. In fact, you might hear a hammer or a hammer drill in the background of my recording in today's episode. And then last week, uh, Nathan, what was going on? Why couldn't you record? I had the plague. Oh, I, yes, I, I, but... I, I was rocking a 101.6 fever, nausea, and all the secondary side effects of those two wonderful things for the better part oh, of the week. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, we are. you are feeling better? I'm not feeling worse. Yeah, there you well, go. It, it, uh, if, that, if I that, were if I were feeling worse, I'd be looking for a new co-host. <laughs> yeah. It was Bring not fun. Dead. That's right. <laughs> I feel happy. So, no, sorry. So we do want to tell you about our special guest today. Most importantly, outside of her being a child of God, but most importantly, she is a faithful subscriber and regular listener weekly regular listener to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. And I also have the privilege of being her pastor. I've been her pastor for a little over seven years now. Uh, love her, love her family. And she's been a constant blessing here at First Tupelo. And Nathan, as he reminded us earlier when we were talking about the episode, how has she been an encouragement to the podcast, Nathan? Well, she's a regular writer in her. She'll, she'll listen usually. <laughs> she, yeah, I'm sure there's a better way to say that. Um, but right. I, but I had the flu last week, so um, all right, that, you get a pass. That sustain that sustained fever messes with your you know your verbal skills. Um, but Caitlin listens mostly in real time, not calling you out. 
Um, but she'll she'll prompt us with a lot of, hey, did you guys think about this? Or, hey, that really opened uh, up me uh, opened me up to think about that. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that she's asked or prodded on uh, off air has actually yielded some discussion on air, right? It's worked it yeah. into some of what we've discussed. So she's been she's been a big help and a big encouragement and just regularly writes in. Um, so welcome, sister. I feel like this is the Willy Wonka prize of Better Than Fiction Bible podcast listening. Oh, yes. it's uh, <laughs> You, too, can be on the podcast if you write in regularly and this, uh, this make is, jokes. This, this is your this is your tour of the factory, and let's hope you don't do something egregious that leads to an untimely death and orange guys coming out of nowhere singing an Oompa Loompa song. <laughs> um, that would be unfortunate, yes. Well, a little bit of Caitlin's background is that one of the highest compliments that Nathan Van Horn gives is what, Nathan? To say someone is a good reader, man. Yes, and I know that clearly it, it, it sounds the, so patronizing and condescending, but I mean it is such high praise when I say someone is a good reader. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that we noted about Caitlin, given her feedback that she's given the show when she writes in through our website, better than fiction, Bible podcast.com. Uh, it's clear that she's interacting with the text and that's what we love. That's what this podcast is all about. It's a conversation about the text, about the story, interacting with it and you joining in the conversation with us. So that's why you're here today, Caitlin. Caitlin also has a degree from the University of Mississippi, a Bachelor of Arts, I believe, in English. So she is not just a good reader, but a trained good reader. And uh, we are looking forward to you employing those skills today. So I hope I can deliver. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Sister, we feel that pressure every week. Um, yes. Hey, I, I've got to ask, though. So, Caitlin, uh, someone with a, in a you have an English lit background. Um, bringing that to the podcast, you know what? So, so certainly you have some critical reading skills, right? You you learn, you know, narrative interpretation, all all, all sorts of stuff, literary theory, intertextuality. Uh, bringing that as a listener, does it does does the podcast like come off a little bit like oh these guys are bogus or hey I can I can combine the tools I have with what these guys are doing, and you know, in other words, how how has your interaction with the podcast been? given your own background? Before, I had never really looked at the Bible as I would regular literature, um, which I think is things they teach in religion classes. I didn't take a lot of those. So instead of reading it like it's this whole separate thing, looking at it, looking at the text and what it actually says, uh, looking back at what the original text may have said, um, things like that have been a big help to me. Um, they've it sparked conversation between like me and my mom. We both listen. Um, my brother just listens for my shout outs. I think Who's there it say? is. Anyway. So uh, K Caitlin, like one of the things that we're about here on the better than fiction Bible podcast is that, that the Bible is primarily given to us in a story format. Now I know there's different kinds of literature, but when you're talking about English literature for that matter, how frequently are we talking about story if you're taking like a, a Brit lit class or American lit class, you know, and in some kind of college class? Pretty frequently. Uh, we're looking at things that are typically narrative in nature, uh, especially in fiction, which obviously we're better than fiction. Haha. -ha. That's anyway, right. Um, there it is. There it is. I wish so we had I'm a buzzer just... in the background for when people said that. 
<laughs> That's right. Just as much of a dork as these guys are. Anyway. <laughs> well, I, th I think one of the things about being better than fiction, really the heart of this podcast, is that we do believe the Bible is historical narrative. Like it, I, I do, Nathan does, Gandalf does. We we believe the Bible actually happened, but it's written like you would write fiction. It's 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 not written like there a history book. Are, there are still yeah. there are still storied conventions, and yes. I mean, and you and you, you know you talk about that because uh, one of the things you know as as you get into high school, definitely once you get into college. Uh, one of the big things that is that I loved studying literature, I, I also got into the study of literature in college, um, is because they would take this literature that was very familiar to you, and they would sh they would they would subvert the way that you were used to reading it. They're like it doesn't always work the way that you thought it worked, right? Mm. Like you were talking about your favorite period of literature, which shocked me. You said medieval literature, which I don't know if we get to vote, but I'm not with you. Um, but, uh, but somehow we got to talking about fairy tales, right? And fairy tales are a big one where most of us are used to a Disney, a Disneyfication of fairy tales. And that's really not how fairy tales worked. Talk about that, Caitlin, cause I thought you had some good points there. Yeah. When we think of fairy tales, we usually think of the Disney version where everybody falls in love and it's happily ever after. World. And... Yeah. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, and it's all in 90 and, minutes. It's all in 90 minutes. And the original recordings and oral stories that would have been given, um, they were more like cautionary tales of, hey, don't, uh, don't follow that stranger. Don't do that weird thing. Do not talk to wolves. You will get eaten. But if you're dancing, a mermaid, sure. if you're a mermaid, <laughs> stay in your lane. Do, do not do not wish for legs. <laughs> That's right. Uh, spoiler alert on the Little Mermaid in the in the real version. Caitlin was saying that at the end there is not a song. She turns into sea foam and gets swept away by the tide. Yeah, that's but so, but something you real, said, real emo nonsense. Yeah, that's but something you said, something you said really stood out to me. Like it's not just that they were cautionary tales. They were written as cautionary tales because if you're living in the medieval period, life is hard. It does. You, right. In other words, it does you no good in their in their world to have a romantic notion of things because life is hard, and so you tell stories in a you way, live in a feudal system. Yeah. You, yeah. you you tell stories that help prepare you to navigate the life you're probably gonna live. You know, we we've talked about mm -hmm. that even with the Bible, the whole uh, reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus thing. There's so much stuff. There's stuff in this passage we were talking about uh, that that points you to Exodus, right? Uh, the right. water stuff. This is kind of a two-part episode, by the way. Spoiler alert! But some of the water stuff we'll talk about. The angel, uh, you know, the the sending the the uh, the angel before them. Uh, all all that stuff. Um, but you know, so now for all of our complaining, we live in an in the in the grand flow of history. It's an exceedingly easy time to be alive. In a sense, in a sense, it's it's an easy time to be alive. In the sense of food security in, in you know in, in in America in the west for most people um uh you don't have to worry about a simple infection taking out one of five people in your family medicine you know we have all these but we wrestle more with existential questions now because of that because we don't have to scrape yeah. out a living we and so now we tell our fairy tales and our stories to wrestle more with existential questions than practical ones 
like mm. true love and finding the one, right? Um, There's and even so, been a shift recently in that. Absolutely. Different ones that are more like, ah, family. That's mm. important. We should focus on that. Was was that an Encanto right. reference? Oh, for sure. So in thinking about today's episode, because listener, you may be thinking like, well, are they going to talk about the Bible? Well, I, I want you to, listener, take what we have said so far. Like the these are the skills that we're hopefully trying to grow ourselves in and you in and and learning how to read the Bible better. In, in fact, in preparation for this episode, I kind of had a vague idea of what I wanted to say in today's episode. I'm not sure about you, Nathan, but in our in our preparation for this, uh, it was amazing to me. Like to me, Caitlin, her first time was on the show is saying, hey, have you thought about this? And I hadn't. And and I don't know that Nathan had either. And Caitlin, we're going to talk about that after we read the text. But out of curiosity, without getting into what you saw yet, because we are going to read the text, how much of the podcast has benefited or hindered your reading of the scripture? I think it's really benefited it a lot like i said i'm looking for different symbols than maybe i would have before um and i'm asking those questions like well i wonder about this i wonder about that uh mm -hmm. it's not just reading it and thinking ah what's there is there which well, is yeah, i shouldn't be doing anyway but that's beside the point well even at the level of narrative pacing you know so Genesis 24 is not one where you hear a lot of people camp down very long. You you go, the last several chapters, especially 22, are regarded as super significant. Genesis 21, mm -hmm. you know, you have the birth of Isaac uh, uh, at the beginning of, I mean, excuse me, Genesis 21, you have the birth of Isaac at the beginning. Genesis 21 is 33 verse, uh, 34 verses. Then you have the binding of Isaac, Genesis 22, major chapter, 24 verses. You have the death of Sarah, you know, the passing of a generation that's starting to happen. And in Genesis 23, it's 20 verses. You get to this passage, Genesis 24, about finding a, sp a spouse for Isaac. You know, all of the narrative has been built on God providing an heir in Isaac. And you get to the, the passage about finding a spouse for him. And it's like three chapters long. It's 67 verses. So like wow. we... Before the podcast, and I, I would be guilty of this too, before the podcast, if I didn't see the immediate value of a passage of Scripture, I would be tempted to give it a more cursory reading. Now, at, at bare minimum, I find myself saying, why is that getting 67 verses if I don't think a lot is happening? Maybe there's more to that story than I've given it credit for. I mean, is that fair? Nathan, yeah, Nathan, that is fair. And the thing that you've—I don't remember what episode you reminded us, but— Real estate matters. It's at a premium. When it comes to space in the Bible. There's only so many pages in the Bible. And so if a story is given a lot of real estate in the Bible, a lot of space in the white space, it has to matter. Yeah. And like, this is, it, I, I was given a bookmark. Uh, well, I was given a book with a bookmark. It was a two for one gift uh, by uh, my friend and, and just a uh, Older brother in the faith and the ministry, Dr. Ronald Meeks, uh, gave me a book, and he gave me a bookmark. And in the bookmark has a quote by a former Bible professor from Blue Mountain Christian University, Dr. James Travis. And it says, the Bible is all that God wanted, only what God wanted, and just what God wanted. If those things are true, real estate is at a premium in the Bible. Like, it's not 
not only is it not wasting what it includes, it's not wasting how it communicates it. And so, so 67 for, verses for this. Why record. are there 67 verses? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I, I want to I want to set a good Christian example here and allow our guest on the show to read all 67 of those verses. There it is. No, no, no. We're not actually we're not going to do that. So that is not we're what not we discussed. Going to do that. Yeah. We are only going to read Genesis 24, 10 through is it 28, 29, something like I think that. 28 is what we said. Yeah. Gotcha. 10 through 28. This is Just your as a reminder. This is your rite of passage, Caitlin. <laughs> That's right. Just as a reminder of where we've been, Abraham has just made his servant, presumably Eleazar, uh, to swear that he would go and find a wife, not among the Canaanite women, but among his kinsmen. And he essentially said, you're going to be released from the oath if you know God doesn't come through on his end of the bargain by providing a wife. And then off he goes. We pick up our story in verse number 10. Take it away, Caitlin. All right. As always, from the ESV. It is, in fact. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women come out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord, and she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. Then, When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please, tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young women ran and told her mother's household about these things. Thank you, Caitlin. Outstanding job. What a good reader. Uh, <laughs> what a good reader. And that is, uh, again, high praise of uh, I, I do want to throw out something I saw immediately at uh, the beginning of this that I had not considered previously. Look, look, y'all, in verse number 10, it's that he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Well, Nahor is his brother. It's interesting to me, this is still a testament of Abraham's faithfulness. It, Nahor, his brother, is already fully settled and has a whole city named after him. Abraham, he's still not settled, but God is still providing. Uh, but 
it's interesting. This is a story about God's provision. This this is the servant that's going out and he's looking for this mystery woman of whom he, you know, knows not at this point. And Caitlin, one of the what is the thing that you was the big glaring thing to you this week when you were studying this passage? Because this is something that I, I just totally missed. And this is, again, why Bible study should happen conversationally, because not, not everybody's going to see what their neighbor does. Oh, man, the camels. In what way? So, you know, it's, it's not it's not just that there's 10 camels. Oh, no. Right? No, I mean, know your worth. 10 camels. That's the price. But <laughs> know your worth. If I if I had a screen printing press, sister, I would make you that shirt. <laughs> it would just say know your worth and it would have the silhouettes of 10 camels. Isn't that like the Indiana Jones uh, where the, the can that he loses the car at uh John Rhys Davies. Yeah. Where he, like, takes the camel or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, need, I think that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think that's right. But anyway. But so what about these camels? Okay. So, you know, like when we when we read it, like in Sunday school and whatnot, we're like, oh, that's so nice that she offered to, to water his camels. Do y'all know how much water camels drink? Not a clue. So I know I they, they can. Yeah, I know they store it better than other animals, but I had no idea. You know, <laughs> these are some thirsty dudes. Oh yeah, well because you know, like they live in the desert, they're not coming across yeah. water frequently. So when they do, they stock up. Yes. Uh, a camel that is just you know every day like drinking water regularly can drink twenty gallons of water in a single sitting. Oh my goodness. A camel that's thirsty and has not had water in a long time can drink up to 50 gallons in a single sitting. So we're talking potentially 500 gallons of water. And homegirl is drawing this out like... <laughs> like five gallons at a time, maybe walking it over. One picture at a time. time. Yeah. yeah. This, this, That's a hundred trips. This this is this is not a meeting. This is an audition. This <laughs> yeah. Like my, my son's my son's been watching this show on Netflix called Physical 100, and it's got like all these different... Uh, games that are, you know, testing different types of physicality. Lots of them are endurance, and it's just these crazy fit people, uh, like dropping like flies in in the face of these hard Herculean uh, challenges. And I'm like, bro, let me see you water ten camels. <laughs> Truthfully, so like some of the things I saw were like they probably had been watered fairly recently, or she'd have been there, you know, for eight hours. But. Uh... She but had no way yeah. of knowing how much water these camels had had but, to drink. But I mean, this is, I mean, but it's, it's so weird because like, this is something I, I would not have focused on. We, it, it relates to something we have talked about. And it is to me, the, the window that highlights why this chapter is 67 verses. Um, so we talked about, you know, this is the first mention of Aram Naharayim or Mesopotamia in the ESV, right? Uh, this well is not just any well, it's the well in the place between the rivers. Mesopotamia mm -hmm. means in the midst of the rivers or between the rivers. Aram mm -hmm. Naharayim uh, in Hebrew is the land between the rivers. This is this is a well, this is provision in a place you wouldn't expect provision. It's not alongside the river, it's between the rivers. This is not a garden, this is a desert, right? And again, the whole reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus, that that there's that component. We'll we'll talk more about that. But it's not just that there's water, 
it's there's an abundance of provision happening here. There's an abundance mm-hmm. of provision happening here. This is this is not a coincidental scene. This is a covenantal scene. Um, look look at how um, uh, presumably Eliezer, you know, talking about God. Uh, is this the one that you have appointed for your servant Isaac? Why is this chapter sixty-seven verses long? Because the narrative for several chapters has focused on God's provision of heir, offspring, and fulfillment of his promise to Abraham. But that takes more than a son. <laughs> that right. takes more than Isaac. That takes a Rebecca. And so it's interesting. Oh, that, Nathan, Oh, make, make mention of what Rebecca's name means, because that's cool in tying that together. Uh, yeah, uh, most literally, Rivka means like to bind something. Uh, right. Her uh, name means to bind together. Yeah. So it's like the whole binding together of man and woman. Yeah. And you have, you can have the whole like uh, more idiomatically uh, to, to hold captive or to captivate. Like, and you know, you go from a literal thing to like, oh, captivating in a romantic sense. Uh, but that's from this sense of binding, Rivka. Uh, and you can hear Rebecca in that, right? Um. Right. Uh, but and she's I, strong enough to do it too, because she can water all those camels. Because anyway. she, yeah, because she watered all those camels. She's like, she's, you know, the, there's men at this well, but they're dropping like flies, and she just keeps watering the camels. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, but uh, again, uh, drink and I will water your camels. Uh, the verse fourteen, the let her be the one whom you have appointed. Um, that's that's big, right? Um, and by this I shall know that you have shown. Kessid, not not just stead, you know steadfast love. This is a covenantal term, right? Right. Um, it is funny to me. This has nothing to do with Caitlin's uh, primary observation. It is funny to me that he waits until she's done watering, you know, giving him water and watering all these camels. Like, okay, now I'm gonna pop out the bling, and that's when he takes out all the gold stuff. Um. So, <laughs> anyway, you know, Caitlin, you mentioned uh, fairy tales beforehand, uh, so I heard a little bit of the, or at least the Disney version of the fairy tale uh, of Rapunzel in verse number 14, let the woman, young woman to whom I say, please let down your jar that I may drink. I was thinking Rapunzel, Rapunzel, you know, <laughs> you know, let, let down your hair. So as, you know, as a student of literature, like we're reading this in, you know, 2023, this doesn't sound just like the most blossoming of uh, of of love stories of how you meet your true love. Like Isaac's not even on the scene. Like he, he's not even here. He's not, and it's not even his dad. I, I would hide like I would go back to Kesed, whose love is mentioned. So far, Isaac's love hasn't been mentioned. Rebecca's love hasn't been right. mentioned. But the steadfast love, love of the Lord has been mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what is cool. Also, in tying this stuff together, um, I believe we mentioned last recording about the whole at the well and how many scenes there are of people at wells. And John chapter four, I know we mentioned last time, the woman at the well. Something that I caught uh, this time that I didn't pay attention to previously is that there there are two kinds of wells in the Middle East. There's a well that's called a cistern, and then there's a well which is a spring. Uh, a well, which is a spring, is water that literally springs up out of the water. It's tapping into the water table below, where a cistern collects water from above. So a spring water is water that's alive. Uh, living living cist- water, yeah. Living water, that's right. And well water, 
cistern water is essentially runoff, runoff water, uh, water that is left over. And it's, it's interesting to me here that one of the most significant meetings of a man meeting a woman at the well, in fact, this is probably the first time a man has met a woman at the well, is they're meeting at a well that's giving living water and it's not runoff water. And that that's tied into John four later. That's, that's, that's cool to me because it, yeah, it says, yeah, it says for instance, uh, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water That's verse 11. But then verse 13, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Uh, so this, this is a well that is producing water, not just collecting it. Oh, so she's not filling her vase. She's, you know, she's taking turns holding the, you know, the, the garden hose up to each donkey's, I mean, each camel's mouth. <laughs> uh, that changes the whole dynamic of the scene. No, but I, but again, I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse or a live camel, uh, but the whole component of God's provision in combination with uh, reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus, they come out of Exodus by passing through the waters and God's provision for them in the wilderness places. And again, in a chapter that mentions Beer Lahai Roi, this was where, you know, where Hagar is sent out into the wilderness and thinks she's going to die, but there's a well there. Um, uh, God's provision for his people Israel in, in the book of Exodus in, in, the, uh, in the wilderness often takes the form of giving them provision water in unlikely places and from unlikely sources water from a rock uh and it's you know it's interesting uh presumably eliezer is the servant he thinks he's providing a bride price by bringing these 10 camels rebecca thinks she's providing them with water but this whole this whole story of 67 verses that we skip right over is really a testament to god's provision on top of what we think we're doing mm, this is god this is this is God being just as much in the Rebecca side of the equation as he was in the Isaac side of the equation. I love that. And also just in rounding out the episode here, as we come to a conclusion, uh, uh, Caitlin, cause I know you've been with us this whole podcast series now, almost 120 episodes is, do you remember the first time we read about camels in the story in Genesis? They, came from egypt right genesis chapter 12 when abraham goes back to canaan from egypt that's where he acquires wealth he probably acquired his gold there and that's where he gets his camels and just rounding out with what nathan has reminded us is that a theme in the exodus nathan what camels no like Oh, the the whole wondering. Oh, Egyptians. yeah, yeah, coming out with the wealth of Egypt, yeah. But yeah. It, the, here, here. So, but we thought they were taking Egyptian camels. They were really plundering their their drinking water, fifty gallons at a time. <laughs> that's that's right. Oh, that's good. Well, listener, thank you all so much for your. Uh, My camel's name is Dasani. Today. <laughs> Mine's that's good. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, and Caitlin Flowers, thank you so much for being a part today. And uh, we look forward to being with all of you all again next week as we continue Genesis chapter number 24 in this grand narrative of the Bible. So God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. You get to pick your own signature outro, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs>
Caitlin. Uh, I should have thought about this more. Uh, bye. Later. Yeah, that's good. Shalom. <laughs> when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's some more. <laughs>